The other thing you need to know about shame is it's absolutely organized by gender. For women, shame is do it all, do it perfectly, and never let them see you sweat. Shame for women is this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who we're supposed to be. And it's a straitjacket. For men, shame is not a bunch of competing, conflicting expectations. Shame is one. Do not be perceived as what? Weak. the Everyday Disciple podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, here we are. We're back together. Thanks for joining me again this week on the podcast. Pretty excited about where we're going to head today. Pretty excited about life in general. Before we get started with today's topic, I just wanted to, again, invite you to join me and join us, a whole bunch of us, online on the Facebook group. If you go to Facebook and look for Everyday Disciple Podcast, you'll find us. Or how about this? You can just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook. It'll take you right to that page. And I want to invite you to join us in conversation with questions, help answer some questions, be good community, all of that. That's where we live and get to hang out and talk, okay? Also, if you are just loving this podcast and feeling like you're getting value from it, would you do me a favor? Like, would you share this? Like, would you share it with people? It is so easy when you see some of our, you know, little photos and quotes from the episode coming through your Facebook feed. Would you just hit share? Boom, and share that to your crew. It means the world to us. Just like I've asked you many times to subscribe, you know, like to whatever platform you're listening to, take that extra 30 seconds and bless us back. Just subscribe. That way you're not missing it. And if you can leave a review on whatever platform you're doing, like, you know, Apple, iTunes kind of thing, then you can leave reviews. That helps other people get excited. And when they're searching, they find what you're into and they go, yeah, me too. Right. So, but baseline, if you'd share this once a week, we can get a whole lot more people in on the party and starting to live like everyday disciples. All right. Enough of that. Let me get to today's topic. This is a big one. I, I've been just deep diving into research on this and reading and uh, listening to things and watching videos on it. And this could be like multi-parted. And I was supposed to do this a few weeks ago, if you remember, but um, getting back to it. uh, And I'm so glad we are. And we're going to talk today about the difference between guilt and shame. And they're big. (laughs) They're huge. And so let me just start out with a couple of definitions that'll help us frame this topic for us, okay? So guilt is a feeling of psychological discomfort, right? Meaning, so it's not like, oh, my knee hurts, but it's psychological, like you, you sense it. It's a, it's a feeling of discomfort about something we've done that is objectively wrong, okay? And uh, Brené Brown, who is just so smart on this, and I'll talk, I'll get some more stuff from her later in, in, the, in the episode. Uh, she puts it this way. She said, guilt is adaptive and helpful. It's holding something that we've done or failed to do up against our values and then feeling psychological discomfort. See, that, that's, what, that's what guilt's all about. In other words, it's something we did, and we're going, mm, that was not in line with you know, what I believe or in what I'd wanted to do or how I'd like to perform or respond, rather, in that situation. Now, in light of the gospel, 
I think guilt is feeling discomfort over our actions or choices and then asking, are we acting in light of what we say we believe to be true about ourselves, our identity, right? Or are we acting in light of what we say to be true about God or the other person involved in this? I feel bad when I don't. I feel bad about my choice and my action in that. See, that's what guilt is. And oftentimes, I believe God will use guilty feelings to kind of catch our attention. It's like a barometer of sorts, right? It's saying, hey, something, you're not acting in line with what you believe to be true. There's a thing behind the thing going on here. Now, shame, as Brené Brown goes on, she defines shame this way, as the intensely, intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we're, we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us unworthy of connection and being loved, right? And in light of the gospel, here's how I'd frame it. Do my actions make me feel less, like less loved, less worthy, less, less accepted, less valuable, just less? You know, I did that so, you know, <laughs> I'm horrible, right? And if you've been a listener for even a little while, we talk a lot about the do-to-be distortion that we kind of live with this in the world. I believe it started back in Genesis early, and it's sort of the meta wound we all suffer from, that we, we, we live under the weight of do-to-be distortion, meaning like what we do equals who we are and our value. Or if I didn't do something right or perfectly right or perceived a certain way, then I'm less because of it, right? But that's not, that's not truth. <laughs> that's horrible, but we all live under that. And so our do-to-be distortion is all connected to this guilt and shame thing, I think, because when we would normally, and even helpfully, feel guilt over something we did or didn't do, or when we sin, right, acting in unbelief, that do-to-be distortion, which holds up our doing equals our being or our value, well, see, then it's easy to see why when we, we might experience guilt in a situation, we actually turn it into shame. Is that making sense? So something that would be healthy to feel guilt over, hey, I didn't do that, I said I would, and you know, I'm getting a little twinge about it, right? I'm not, I'm not evil or worthless because of that, but I feel bad, so that's guilt, not shame, but because the do-to-be distortion, we feel like everything we do and everybody's measuring everything we do and we have to measure up, then I'm less. I'm less in my eyes, I'm less in their eyes, I must be less in God's eyes, and that's when it turns to shame. Now, Here's some ideas and examples uh, about how this works from my friends at TrueFaced. Those are the folks that wrote one of my absolute favorite books ever, The Cure. And I've talked about this before on the podcast. I know I have. They say, you know, we've all had experiences like this. You do something wrong, like you accidentally cut someone off in traffic, or um, maybe you lost your temper with your toddler, or completely forget the report that your boss needed you to bring into today's meeting, you said you would, or whatever, you didn't get it done, or whatever, you feel it in your gut, like, oh, I messed up, I made a mistake. Something wasn't done the way it was supposed to be. And one of two things is most likely happening. You're either experiencing guilt because of that, or shame, okay? So let's, uh, let's kind of unpack this just a little bit as we go. Remember, guilt says, I did something wrong. You made a mistake. Maybe you hurt a friend or you blew off a responsibility or commitment that you had made. Guilt is sort of helpful in a built-in alarm, right? It's going off in our heads and our hearts, letting us know that something has happened that needs our attention. Remember, guilt is focused on what we did or did not do. So here's kind of like a 
pro user tip. <laughs> if it's guilt you're experiencing over a situation, your internal dialogue, like what's going on in your head, will be more focused on the actions, like I did, dot, 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 or I didn't, or I chose to, dot, 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 or I said this. So if it's guilt and you're feeling twing, right, then, then it's going to be focused on actions. So whereas guilt feels or sounds like what I did kind of sucked, that was wrong. Shame, on the other hand, says, I suck. I'm wrong. See? You feel the difference? Shame can accompany guilt in many situations. Oftentimes, they will go together. I bet you felt that, right? But it can also roll along on its own. Shame sometimes is just shame. Shame's that voice that says, what's wrong with you? Or how could you be so stupid? Uh, I know I, in my own life, I feel like I fight this. I have this dialogue going on. And it's connected to grace, not really truly believing that God is gracious, and so therefore I don't have to prove myself or earn anything. But very often over sometimes really small little things, I'll really beat myself up. That's shame, and that's not the gospel, and that's not of God. You know, you'll ask yourself, how could you be so stupid, or how could you let that happen again? It it tells us that there is something uniquely wrong with us, some deep flaw or distortion in me. See, shame points at the mistake, which is a normal everyday occurrence for us humans, and then it uses it as proof that we're unlovable, that we're less. That sucks, doesn't it? Gosh, I hate that. I hate that that's going on in my own heart all the time, and I hate that I probably do that to people all the time. See, shame tells us that if anyone really saw who we are, they'd find us hideous, right? Shame turns us from looking at our choices and actions to looking at our identity. Let me say that again, because this is really big. Shame turns us from looking at our choices and actions to looking at our identity. And again, as as researcher Brené Brown explains it, she says, guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is a focus on self. Guilt is something I did bad. Shame is I am bad. So here's sort of the pro user with you know, tip for this. With shame, our internal dialogue focuses on identity statements. Like, I'm stupid. I can't be trusted. I'm so messed up. It's that kind of thing. That's what shame sounds like. So you can compare and contrast that to the last tip, which was, I did this, or I didn't do that, or I said that. Notice actions or self, right? Behavior or identity. That's the big difference. Are you catching that? So here's where the difference really kicks into gear, though. Guilt leads us towards repentance, which is a renewal of our minds and hearts. Shame drives us to hide from and or blame others. Crazy, right? Again, that's probably worth repeating. Guilt leads us towards repentance, which is a renewal of our minds and hearts. I'm going to do that differently next time, right? Shame drives us to hide from people and or blame others. Now, again, my, my friends at True Face in that book I was telling you about the cure, they say this. They say, guilt wants to lead us to forgiveness, to be cleansed. Shame drives us to hide, convinced we cannot truly be forgiven and made clean. Mmm, big, right? See, guilt, guilt is a healthy internal alarm. Don't feel bad about guilt. That's, it's like letting us know, hey, something's not in line with your values or what you believe or what you say you believe. It lets us know that something's wrong and needs our attention. That's good, right? And, and that, that something 
had to do with our own choices. It's just, think about it. See how this connects all the way back to the, the very beginning of the story in the Garden of Eden? What did Adam and Eve choose to do? They chose to believe a lie. They chose to believe they could manage the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong for themselves. That was an action. God comes looking for them, still loving them as his image bearers, and it's the same for us. Guilt may feel uncomfortable, okay, but it's helpful when we're willing to pay attention to it, right? If we, if we pay attention to guilt, it can often lead us to repentance. And this might be asking the forgiveness of a spouse or a coworker or a friend or maybe even of God himself. Guilt can push us actually toward others. That's, that's key. Let guilt push you towards others. Like, hey, you know, I said I'd do that. I'm sorry. I blew that off. Or I can tell you're a little upset that, you know, I did this or I didn't do that then let it push you towards forgiveness and, and restoration of all things, right, in relationship. Now, shame, though, does the opposite, right? We, we might still need to ask forgiveness because of what we did, but internally, see, shame causes us to recoil. We don't want to do that. Maybe it'll just go away. We're hiding now because we believe, oh, we've, we've uncovered something uniquely horrible and messed up about ourselves, and, and they're probably going to notice, so we tend to hide. And so even though we may apologize for, for, you know, whatever it was, yelling or forgetting to pick up a friend at the airport or, you know, dropping the ball on something or whatever, but we're more and more sure that we can't be seen for who we really are and loved. See, shame pushes us away. It divides. It corrupts. It destroys. It's, it's not good. It's actually from the pit, and it's all, it's all wound up with this whole do-to-be distortion. Instead of believing our identity and resting in that, and that comes right from God and secured by God, and he looks at us and sees Christ, we have to try to manage that ourselves, right, and make everybody else feel the same about it, and if they don't, we're upset, or if we think they won't be, then we hide. That's why shame sort of divides. Can you see how important it is to understand this and how intrinsically linked to the gospel this understanding of guilt and shame really are? It's huge, right? This is a big problem today. It really is not understanding guilt and shame, and I don't want to feel either, and I'm going to make everybody else pay for it, right? This is a huge problem in our society, in our churches, and in our homes. It really, really is. So much shame being put on others and or received that it's driving us underground and into all sorts of other deep societal issues. I mean, just turn on the news, right? Just turn on the news for a few minutes and you'll hear it flooding out. People aren't speaking about actions. They're, they're sh- everybody is shaming, shaming, shaming. And or other people who maybe just, you know, made a mistake because that's what we humans do a lot. They're just living under great shame. And then isolation, which then, because of due to be, we often, like, just like back in the garden, with Eve, we end up hiding and blaming. And, and, and then we throw rocks, and it must be them because they don't, you know, you see how it's sick, right? Listen to a, a little clip I have of Brené Brown, what she says about this epidemic. It's powerful. Listen. There is a huge difference between shame and guilt. And here's what you need to know. Shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, eating disorders. Shame is an epidemic in our culture, And to get out from underneath it, to find our way back to each other, we have to understand how it affects us and how it affects 
the way we're parenting, the way we're working, the way we're looking at each other. Here's the thing. Though we all feel unhealthy shame, not everyone turns guilt into shame or feels shame in the same ways. Or not in every situation do I always turn something guilty, which could be good pointing me to you know change or awareness or whatever. I don't always change it to shame, but often I do. But we don't all do it the same way, and we don't experience it the same way. In fact, I'm learning from Brene Brown that men and women experience this very, very differently. Listen to this. The other thing you need to know about shame is it's absolutely organized by gender. For women, shame is do it all, do it perfectly, and never let them see you sweat. Shame for women is this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who we're supposed to be. And it's a straitjacket. For men, shame is not a bunch of competing, conflicting expectations. Shame is one. Do not be perceived as what? Weak. Wow. See, I, I, was, I was never raised on any of this, understanding any of this. No one ever spoke to any of this. Not to the issue of guilt and shame and understanding that, but also how we process it differently. But I can see it as true. I can completely see that as true. How about you? If you're, if you're a woman listening to this, does that make sense to you? Do you feel like that's probably the seedbed of where a lot of your shame resides and what you know, causes it? Yeah, I bet you can. I mean, just having a wife and two daughters, and I've got three sisters, and I know lots and lots of other people, other sisters here in the community, uh, I, I see that as real. That to trying to do it all and measure up and never let any balls drop, and you know, it's like, and, and society and culture is just feeding that. How about men? I mean, she puts, she sums it up in one word, right? <laughs> do you feel that? Can you feel that, guys? Yeah, we, we have to just be so strong and, and, and we can never let anybody see us blink, and right? It's crazy. Also, somewhere else in her talk, Brene says, shame needs three things to grow. She says it needs secrecy, silence, and judgment. Wow. Yeah. And, and see, do you see how you can see the enemy behind this and such a sickness that, like, I'm feeling shame so I want to, hopefully no one else will notice, I won't bring it up, secrecy, right? Or silence. I won't go to the other person and let this guilt drive us to restore and repair. I'll feel shame and I'll hide and I'll blame. Or maybe with, with other people, it's like, I can't just look at their actions because of the due-to-be distortion. I actually bring judgment upon them and their character. Like they had this master plan to let me down or something, right? Wow. It's, it's so big. It goes so, so deep. God help us in this. Let's uh, let's let's try applying some of this, uh, you know, in the reverse right now. Okay, um, let's do this, and maybe you'll have to pause this, or you can do it later. But I, I'm a big believer in like, let's do this now. <laughs> okay, um, try to remember the last time you experienced that that sort of sinking feeling, like, ugh, I made a mistake. All right, you're like, I know it. Right? Well, when was that? It might have been two days ago. It might have been two minutes ago. Okay, uh, take a moment to remember the situation, what you did or didn't do, what you said or whatever. How'd you feel? Okay, how'd that feel? You got something? Can you remember that? Probably wasn't that long ago. <laughs> uh, wasn't for me. All right, now ask yourself this. Did I see that as a mistake or a bad choice? Or did I see it as proof that I am messed up? Or maybe a little of both? See, often they get inter, you know, twined and 
commingled in there? You know, how did you deal with it? Did you shove it down? See, there's that, there's that sort of secrecy and silence part. Or did you bring it out into the open? Did you stew on it for hours and just grouse over it and then maybe build your case for why it really wasn't your fault anyway or it's someone else's? There's that hiding and blaming, right? Or maybe if someone else confronted you about it, how'd that go? Did, do you feel like you were having to defend your identity instead of just point to the action? See, that's where the due to be distortion gets us. Try this instead. Talk to your always loving, perfect heavenly father about the mistake. Let him remind you of your secure, completely immovable identity as his son or daughter. Dearly loved son or daughter, no matter how many mistakes you make. Like really, take that thing you were just thinking about, ooh, and how it felt, and just talk to dad and say, hey, dad, I blew that. I messed that up. Well, what do you think about that? I promise you, he's going to remind you of his love for you and that, that nothing will sna- snag you away. Nothing could take you from him. You are his forever son or daughter. And then, and then here, uh, please, please try this. Talk to one other person that you trust about that mistake. It could be someone that it affected, or it could just be a trusted friend or family member. Let that mistake push you toward God and others instead of away. Remember, it's not about your identity or value. A mistake and feeling guilt is just that. It's a good thing. It brings restoration. Speak to your desire to not make the same mistakes in the future and seek forgiveness for any pain or weirdness that your choice or actions or inactions may have caused them. And then leave that with God. Don't then move to like shame repair and try to build back your character, your value, or your worth. Leave that with God and leave that where others have to choose their own response, right? We'll go nuts trying to manage just our own hearts, but then everybody else's response. Okay, so we talked a little bit uh, here about how shame shows up in our self-speak, right? And, and maybe some ways to, to deal with that, you know? How, by self-speak, I mean our internal dialogue. But it often shows up in the ways we speak to others, to our spouses, our siblings, our kids, if we have them, and, and probably shows up in even those, how we talk to those we lead, okay? So let's, let's, do, a little, <laughs> let's do a little work on that. How about that? Um, think about the way you, know, you spoke to your spouse, um, if you're married, or maybe someone on your staff at work, the last time they dropped the ball on something or they upset you. Okay, so if, if you're married, think about the last time your spouse did something to upset you, or if you're not married, maybe it's some staff at work, someone you work with. Um, did you address the doing aspect of the situation? Or were your words filled with frustration that came out in lots of, like, you always, you never, why can't you be more this way, or why can't you be less like this? Did you go after the actions and how their actions or choices maybe disappointed you or, or caused you to have to do this, that, or the other? Or did you actually go after the person? And, and here's the acid test. What would they say they received from you? Was it po- a pointing out of the actions and, and how it affected you? Or, or did they feel completely shamed, you know, in that situation? It's heavy, right? Now, it's the same thing with our parenting. When your kids mess up, and all kids mess up a lot. It's just part of how we grow and learn and mature. But when your kids mess up, do you say things like, be a good boy now, as if they're somehow bad? They're like, they're less, because that's what they're going to hear. You know, good little boys and girls are like this. 
right? See, I'm just, I'm cringing because I know I've said this to my kids when they were little. Um, do you hear how, like, if we use words like that, that that addresses them in a way that speaks to a flaw in them versus addressing the issue at hand? Instead, you could speak to your child in ways that reinforce your love for them and your desire for them to make different choices or do certain things in a different way. It's like, it's like this, hey, buddy, I love you. You're a good boy, pal. And I know that it can be hard sometimes to remember to clean up your toys after playing with them. It's so fun, and you've got so many cool toys. We're really blessed, right? I'd really like you to try harder to pick up the toys you're playing with when you're finished with them before pulling out some more stuff. Cool? All right, let me help you pick this stuff up now before dinner. See, see the difference in that? Like you're still addressing the issue and maybe a zillion times, <laughs> but you're now not, you, you know, accidentally sort of passively comparing their character or their value somehow to their inaction, especially with kids. They're just little. They're learning. Now, sometimes you go like, oh, yeah, but what about something that we've talked about a zillion times with our kids and their, and their behavior is not changing? There are consequences for our actions, but that still is actions and consequences, not identity. Can you feel the difference there? In other words, we still address the issue and their choices, not their identity. And so you might say, you know, son, we've talked about this a bunch, how much I love you and how fun it is to play with all the things you have. And, and that mom and dad really want you to, you know, pick up what you're playing with before you pull out more because it's just a big, you know, it gets real messy and we're stepping on things and breaking things and all that. But we've asked you a lot, buddy, and it's still not, you know, like happening. What can we do to help you remember that more? Or if you've tried everything, it's like, well, you know, I got to give you a choice now son. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either pick up the stuff, you know, when you're done playing with it, right, and put it away. Or if, if you choose not to, and I find a big mess like this again, then I'm going to have to take that particular toy that got left out. And I'm going to take it, and I'm going to put it away for a few weeks from, you know, a while. Um, and you're going to miss it like crazy. Maybe that'll help you remember to put that stuff away. Okay, buddy, let's get that stuff picked up. And um, remember, you know, it's your choice, okay? You can leave it all laying around, but you might lose the privilege to play with it. See, that's that's a little different, isn't it? That's That might be helping them actually experience their, because they're probably feeling guilt, but experiencing what guilt needs to and gets to lead to versus feeling shame over the situation and then wanting to shut down their mind and or hide and blame. Now, one thing I want to reiterate, oftentimes in a relationship, and some of you are already thinking this, uh, even though we may be kind and careful and not use shaming words to discuss a situation, because of that do-to-be distortion, the fact that we all tend to value our doing as part of our identity and performance to earn our value, when we speak to a person's actions, their doing, oftentimes people will receive it as a blow to their identity and feel shame. As that's not what we did, but because of that do-to-be distortion, they still take it that way. In those situations, we need to ask good questions to help get to the thing behind the thing, and then also, don't forget to remind the other person of our your love for them and God's great love for them, not what they do. Now, I know this takes great intentionality, but this is part of our gospel fluency, this ability to speak the good news of the gospel, who God is and, and what he's done in Christ and what is now true of us and how we get to live, right? This is all just intentionalizing the gospel into life instead of letting, hey, you know, I was real careful with my words, but then that person got all ticked off. Well, that's because they took it as shame. That's the well-worn groove, and they took it as an attack on their identity, though it wasn't. 
so you can help reiterate that and help them to see the difference between that. Remember, we were all created to live in grace-based environments without shame. We were created to walk in the cool of the day in light of our full identity and God's perfect love for us. And it was, remember, Adam and Eve, right after they chose to not believe God and disobey him is when they moved to shame and hiding and blaming We weren't created for that, just like they weren't. And so we can let that sort of heart-based reality of like grace draw us to grow in this area. We really can. We were created for grace, not shame. And so it's, it's worth the extra intentionality and work to go after this in our internal speak, the way we speak with others, and even allowing others to be drawn by the grace that's in their hearts that they desire because that's what they were created for. It's, it's good to help them like be drawn to the truth of the gospel and be set free from all this. This is so beautiful when this is happening in relationships, in families, in marriages, in community, and it's the most attractive thing in the world. And there's, <laughs> there is so much more we could talk about connected to all this. I mean, this is, right, this could go and go and go. I hope today has helped you get started understanding the difference between guilt and shame and how to best navigate this in your life and relationships, at least getting started. It's probably a lifelong It's probably a lifelong journey to really grow in this, right? As always, I want to leave you with the big three takeaways from today's topic. If nothing else, you don't want to miss these. By the way, you can get a printable PDF of the big three as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. All right, here's the big three for this week. First, don't miss this. Guilt is a feeling of discomfort about something we've done that is objectively wrong. Guilt's helpful. It's holding something we've done or failed to do up against our values and beliefs and feeling psychological discomfort from it. That's that's a good thing. Shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed because of our actions, and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. Something we've experienced, done, or failed to do makes us less as a person. I want to make sure you're grasping the difference between those. All right, second, here's really good news. Don't miss this. There's no shame or condemnation in Christ. All right, Romans 8.1. Jesus took all our sin and shame upon himself on the cross. We now get to live in light of his perfect life and righteousness. Because when the Heavenly Father looks upon us now, he sees Jesus. So if you're living with shame connected to your past or past actions and choices, then you're not believing the full truth of the gospel. Your identity and worth is not based on what you do or don't do. It's based on Christ. And God loves you perfectly forever, right where you're at, right now and always. Okay, and third... Think back, so this is sort of like the rubber hit the road part. Think back to the last time you felt bad about something you said, did, or didn't do. Did you see this as a mistake or bad choice or as proof that you're messed up, that you suck? Or did you see it as a mixture of both? So I want to encourage you again, consider sharing this with a trusted friend that can help you speak the truth about your identity and worth and God's great love over you and in that situation. And then ask the Holy Spirit to grant you repentance. That's a new mind in this issue, that you may live in light of who God says you are, and and then move forward in freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
Okay. I'm going to have all kinds of links in the show notes this week to some of this Brene Brown stuff and to an article from Trueface. And before I forget, I want to invite you to get the Everyday Disciple Workshop. You can get immediate access to that right now. We've trained thousands of people in this powerful framework during our four-day challenges, and now you can get it and you can have lifetime access to it. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop to get this simple and reproducible discipleship framework. You're going to love it. It's everydaydisciple.com forward slash workshop. All right. Well, I got to get going. I hope you'll join us again next week because we're going to keep diving into discipleship and mission and gospel fluency and hopefully helping make this all a whole lot easier for you in your everyday life. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 